want to have you talk a little bit about relationships and, and the importance of that, especially for the the, the younger generation um, in regards to how, how to live life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, perfect position to talk about this, given the, the community that we have. You know, yeah. we've got over 1,100 financial planners in there, and all of them are in there paying that monthly subscription whatever it is because they want to make those relationships and they want to make friendships and that and that community element of it and um one of one of those people in in the community has just launched a podcast on this and he's talking about that exactly that kind of stuff of when you get to retirement and you transition you lose those relationships and that's ultimately one of the biggest thing reasons why people go back to work yeah. when they're in retirement is because they miss those well, we, we would call it banter across here in the uk <laughs> or they miss that work banter of, yeah. of going in every day and seeing yes. people having that social aspect to their life and then it just completely disappears the day after they retire Welcome to AFO Wealth Management Forward, a podcast about finance, accounting, technology, and entrepreneurship. We apply our decades worth of experience and insight into what makes businesses work so we can help others grow both personally and professionally. In this ever-evolving marketplace, we help accounting firms and financial advisors grow their practice through the adoption of holistic wealth management services. Learn from industry leaders and subject matter experts to unlock the secrets of their success a podcast that shows people and companies the transformative power of technology so they don't fear it, but instead harness it. Don't fight the robots, team up with them. And here are your hosts, Rory Henry, Director of Business Development and CEO Rob Santos of Arrowroot Family Office. Hello, everyone. I am joined by another great guest on the show today. He is the Chief Designer and Founder at Doc Vinci. He's also the Chief Marketing uh, officer at Next Gen Planners. We're here to talk about a number of different topics, next gen talent, getting next gen prospects. Uh, so without further ado, let me introduce our esteemed guests all the way from the UK, Dan Graham. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Rory. It's a pleasure. If, if, if I look like I'm smiling a lot, it's because it's half four on a Friday uh, <laughs> afternoon when we're recording this here in the UK. So I know that we've just been talking before we started, didn't we, Rory? And it's actually morning there for you. So it I'm just going to keep on just, I'm just going to keep on gloating throughout the whole of this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I told you before we got on, I said, Dan, you're going to have to carry me here. I never usually do a podcast this early in the morning, but you have great energies. I love, I've seen your work on LinkedIn yeah. and I've listened to some of your podcasts. For those in our audience though, can you kind of give a background on, on who Dan Graham is and, and the work you do at Doc Vinci and Next Gen Planners? Yeah, 100%, man. So I, I didn't have a background in finance. I didn't even know what career in finance looked like um, i did english language at university um which was fun don't get me wrong doesn't really set you up for 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 a vocational career though i just kind of heard about it um and then i started working at a financial planning firm uh, got qualified and everything like that and then i kind of i'm i'm not open i'm sorry i'm not closed to being to showing vulnerability i kind of wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit and i was kind of going through a lot at that time nothing in personal life but just I, it wasn't for me. The career yeah. in financial planning just wasn't for me just yet. And I put up with it for so long uh-huh. that eventually it just kind of just popped. And I realized that it wasn't for me just yet, but I loved the profession, financial planning. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the person I was working with at, at the firm I was at also started Next Gen Planners. And uh-huh. a lot of the kind of work crossed over. I was desperate to get into something about marketing. And yeah. I loved marketing. I love marketing now. 
Um, and then the kind of, it all just worked perfectly. I was very, very lucky. Um, so yeah, then next gen planners worked there for, I've worked there for about four or five years now. But then in, in lockdown, everybody has a side hustle. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people had a side <laughs> yeah. hustle that they started. Mine was Doc Vinci. So you can probably, if, if the people who are listening or watching to this can imagine the documents that financial planners give to their clients, you can probably imagine what those look like. Very, very <laughs> the white. The 100 very... page financial plan, the dreaded. Exactly those, the, the, the 100, 100 page, whatever it is, dogs, very white, yeah. very Times New Roman fonts, you right. know, stock images of of old couples walking on the beach and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of think, you know, today, if we want to stand out, if we want to really show the value of financial planning, we can't look like that anymore because yeah. it doesn't represent the exciting, amazing things that financial planners can do for their clients. So we started just kind of taking people's documents and just, you know, churning them out, making them look better, making them look yeah. branded, all that kind of stuff. But then eventually we've, we actually formed it into a proper business. So um, yeah, DocVinci is part of Next Gen Planners now, but we've now got, you know, loads and loads of financial planning business in the UK working with us. Uh, and we just kind of, we do unlimited document packages. That's making every single thing that financial planners give to their clients make it look nicer. But then on the other side, we also help people bring their marketing into the 21st century um, yeah. as well, because that's another another massive topic that we'll probably talk right. about. Today. Well, let's dive into that, because mm -hmm. I know on another podcast, you talked about USP. And I remember right after college, I got into a sales job. And I remember my sales manager talking about you, the unique selling proposition or unique service proposition. Yeah. And in this day and age with marketing and social media, everybody has a brand. There's a personal brand. And there's a corporate brand or business brand. Can you talk about this USP, USP and what you're doing from a marketing perspective and helping financial advisors and financial planners out there develop their brand and their voice? Yeah. So it's, I mean, you've, you've said it there, unique selling proposition or unique service proposition or something, or whatever yeah. we want to call it, basically. And then brand comes into that as well. I always kind of I'd, uh, define it as the gap that you fill that nobody else is filling. Ah. Um, so the gap in people's thoughts, minds, hearts, whatever it might be. And the problem is, is that... Are you an accountant looking to generate more revenue and secure your future success as automation and artificial intelligence revolutionize the accounting profession? If so, contact us at AFO Wealth Management Forward. We specialize in helping accountants and advisors just like you build a custom brand to pinpoint your optimal clientele, generate highly qualified leads through our data-driven digital marketing, and execute wealth management growth services to bring more value to your firm and your client's life. Our strategic approach to branding, marketing, and wealth management is carefully tailored to attract ideal clients, increase customer retention rates, and cultivate lasting relationships with clients across generations. Visit wealthmanagementforward.com to book your free consultation to find out how you can elevate your practice. A lot of the financial plan, in fact, it's not a problem. It might be an opportunity, actually, Yeah. because a lot of financial planning businesses and, you know, Rory, you probably agree with accountancy businesses as well. They all look exactly the same. You cannot separate. I mean, most of them, sorry, not all of them, but most of them look exactly the same. You can't separate them. They've all got the same color schemes. They've all got the same messaging. They've all got the same target audience all of these things. So it's actually quite easy to, to stand out. So what the work that we do with financial planning businesses is basically just trying to help them identify what is that gap. And I think a lot of people, that, uh, we, we talk a lot about niche or niche. Rich, riches you guys and niches, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's, people are terrified to do it. They're absolutely yeah. terrified to go niche or go niche. And 
a niche is just a target audience. A niche is yep. just sell it, telling the world who you want to work with. It's not saying I'm closing off. You might close off certain parts of uh, society, but you don't need to. And niche is just saying, these are the people I want to work with. This is my brand message. This is what I, uh, how, what makes me unique from everybody else. Cause I understand what you're going through. And I absolutely love this kind of stuff because and now actually I'm not working with businesses who don't have a really clear target audience because unless you've got that, I don't think you've got any chance of marketing successfully, really. And I think that's where we need to bring ourselves up. Certainly financial planning as a profession does. I love the profession so much, but I think yeah. we need to be a bit less scared about telling the world who we want to work with. Right. Mm. Yeah. I always say marketing and your brand is really holistic. So it's from your email signature to your social mm -hmm. media presence, uh, to your website. And it's all, uh, really is is how you present yourself to to the world out there um yeah. i just had on hal hirschfield uh, who wrote mm -hmm. the book your fruit yourself and he talks about so i wanted to kind of put this in perspective because i saw recently a post that you did that you come out you came out with a, a financial planning journey for clients mm -hmm. and so that's yeah. the visual vivid uh plan that you can show to people that really can differentiate you from somebody else uh, out there in the marketplace. So yeah. maybe let's dive into this concept of really maybe helping. So showing you're different, <laughs> right? Um, through some of your marketing materials. And in, in essence, it seems like what I, I saw on your LinkedIn post is that financial planning journey uh, allows you to really capture a prospect or a client's attention uh, by yeah. painting a, a future uh, vision uh, of a life that they can get to. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just that it's pretty much everything. I mean, I'm stealing this completely from, uh, and I talk about this quite often, but we had Robert Sophia from Snappy Kraken yeah. on our podcast, about, I think it must be three years ago now. It's crazy. And he kind of, you know, said about this thing about pulling out all of your marketing stuff and putting it in front of you and re comparing it to what other people look like. And if it looks exactly the same, then change it because then you're not unique. You're not different yeah. to everybody else. And then I kind of, you know, have kind of coined that, no, I've stolen it basically and started <laughs> calling it a brand audit, which is basically exactly that. It's pulling out every single thing, but not just your materials. It's pulling out your message. It's pulling out your, uh, your website, your team, every single thing about your business and saying, how does that look different to another business because if it doesn't look different people aren't going to work hard to try to differentiate you from everybody else that's that's ultimately it's your job to try and differentiate yourself from everybody else um but that's where things like that journey can come in but there's tons of things you could do and i think we'll, we might want to talk about this later on Rory. but i'm going to mention it here is um there are so many things that, that financial planning businesses can do to stand out that nobody else is doing mm -hmm. like for instance if I was a client now, I mean, I'm on the younger end, I'm in my twenties, but if I was a client of a financial planning business, I wouldn't want to go to a meeting with a financial planner and have them interview me about how much I spend on my council tax, how much I spend on my uh, gas and electric every month. And it's just a waste of time yeah. when there is technology and there's, there's automations, automations that you can do nowadays to get that kind of information from your clients. So I'm working with business at the moment, for instance, to turn that boring meeting, which would take an hour, into simple digital fact finding that clients can do at home, where they can fill in all the information. It's interactive, it's personalized, it's fun for them to complete. And what that does is you can integrate videos as well, by the way, but also what that does is it completely separates you from what everybody else is doing because hardly anybody else is doing that. So you can have a big 
impact with your service as well. And that's where unique service proposition comes into this. You can offer a really unique service that nobody else out there is doing for your clients. Yeah. And speaking of automation and what you're talking about, Dan, you can do a lot of this work and doing tutorials um, using video and mm. showing um, you know, how to fill out a, a form, right? Or, yeah. or you're answering various questions of you know, what's the difference between a Roth versus a traditional 401k, like answering the question, you can have a library of content and you can send that out to your clients. And so you can serve the the, the one-to-many instead of that yeah. one-to-one type of relationship. Yeah. And I mean, I could yabber on all day about how amazing <laughs> video is. I think it's about keeping it short nowadays. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're always, we're so bombarded with everything. Even people who are listening to what are watching this will probably have either another screen open or they'll be scrolling through something or something like that. We're just constantly just being bombarded with information and people trying to grab our attention. And you have to get into that nowadays, I'm afraid. Like you have to completely buy into that atmosphere. Uh, so everything you should you do should be quick, should be to the point, should be no time wasting and should just be simple basically. And yeah. that's where your thing there of, you know, I mean, I don't usually recommend people talk about products um, in their videos. I, I think you, you can talk about much more interesting things, but if you want to go on the educational side, then absolutely you could focus on, we call them pensions here in the UK, yeah. focus on the benefits of pensions versus other investment vehicles or whatever you might want to call it. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, video is, is definitely the way forward that we're going nowadays. Yeah. And let's talk about the, cause you touched on a couple points here in, in attracting or working with next gen prospects, you know, they may not have investable assets at this point. They might not have high income. So yeah. many times for financial advisors, it's tough to have alignment there because they may not have the monetary value. So sometimes they'll do it as a favor to the parents, yeah. right? But uh, it's really setting yourself up for that future client. And it's maybe being more educational. I, that's why I say accountants and CPAs uh, here in the States are uniquely positioned to attract that next-gen talent because many financial advisors aren't servicing that clientele but yeah. CPAs and accounting firms are because they're helping them start businesses, yeah. grow their businesses, right? And so from that early that early age, they can they can have that relationship with that client, and then once they start uh, accruing some money and some assets, they can, then can then service them and and manage their assets and do more financial planning. But I think that's a unique opportunity for CPAs, accounting professionals, to really deepen that relationship with that future generation because they're helping them start and, and advise on businesses. Yeah. And I think the, the, the issue with this has traditionally, and I think still today, it is that service model, isn't it? And it's the, yeah. ultimately it's how financial planners get paid. And right. if, I mean, that's just being honest, that's the yeah. way it is. It's ultimately these people don't have <laughs> it's a lack of incentive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but if you, if you were to rethink that, and there's tons of people who, you know, I've chatted to have said, well, yeah, we've tried that in the past and it didn't work. So we're just going to not do it again. Okay. 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 But there are so many people in the UK who are doing fantastic stuff on this, where they are just amending that business model, coming up with creative ideas where they can serve those clients, use things like automation, use things like education, use apps and all the different tools available nowadays to service those people and still make it affordable for those clients. So personally i mean i'm going to put this into pounds by the way i'm it's almost the same as dollars nowadays but personally i would pay i would happily pay i mean i've paid 100 pounds for the gym before yeah you know i would happily pay 100 pounds for somebody to tell me that i'm okay 
hundred pounds a month that is that I'm okay that I'm going to be fine in the future that I've got a plan in place that all it's kind of investing in myself yeah I would happily pay that it's just about it's just doesn't exist out there because people don't haven't been really creative enough with their business models yet but I think it is coming it's but that's that subscription model though Dan that's yeah. that Netflix that Amazon Prime that that subscription model that I think some of the more innovative firms are are moving in that direction because that's what yeah. the clients seem to be wanting. Hundred percent, and and it's not about you know it's 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 almost it's not a loss leader as such you know it's not saying you're going to lose me money now but in the hope that you're going to make me money in the future, but it's certainly not you know it's it certainly is a case for these people who are you know innovative enough and who are kind of ahead of the game enough to pay a hundred pounds a month to their financial yeah. planner in the future the guarantee the almost guarantee is that they're going to pay you more in the future and they're going to need more help in the future and and if you want to see it that way from a completely selfish perspective for yourself rather than for trying to help younger people then if you start to think more creatively it does work it does start to work and that's where developing courses and online uh, content and communities um, really helps out to start offering that services You, you start producing content, you put in an educational library course, they then can subscribe to that and you start that that flywheel. Yeah. And, and you know, where we're sat, we're, stu- well, we're both, are you stood us? Sat, I don't know. We're, we're both stood here, whatever it is, <laughs> trying, you know, making this sound like it's very, very simple for these yeah. financial planners. I know that the people who are listening to this and I know that you guys are going to be sat there thinking, oh, you're telling me how to do my big grow my business now or whatever it's not that it's just that i think that we can become a little bit more creative and that's what we're trying to do at next gen and with doc finchie is just trying to help people think outside the box a little bit more because like you know you said about their starting courses and everything like that that's not an easy task yeah but if you're passionate about it enough and you enjoy it then it doesn't become easy but it certainly becomes achievable because you bought into the idea but i'm not stood here by the way and just saying that it's easy because it's Definitely yeah, it's not. not. It's it's almost like fighting the industry at the moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this then: you you you've built that, uh, helped build that next gen community. What are some mm-hmm. of the first steps that you advise firms on when they're starting to grow their practice or trying to be more innovative? Good question. Um, I, mean, I mean, certainly there's niche... probably not one answer, but I'm sure there's no. a common theme. There are definitely tons. I mean, we've got people. I mean, I'm actually working with a few uh, people right now who are literally launching their businesses as we speak. Yeah. Um. And one of the first things we absolutely have to cover off is who do you want to work with? I mean, uh-huh. that is like yeah. the 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 gold standard of that. That if you don't have that, really, you can't have anything else. Even if it's not perfect yet, but it's a, but it's somewhere to start that is much, much better than, than, than anything because without that, you can't really get anywhere. And then the other thing I, I, I do talk to people a lot about is saying yes to pretty much everything. So when you're launching your business, <laughs> you don't really have the opportunity. Yeah, to say you no. don't really have the comfort. You don't really have the luxury to say no to things. Like, And that's just, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. You know, saying no to things ultimately is a luxury that that comes as a perk that comes later down the line. So something I learned was you just have to say yes to every opportunity that you get, whether it's, whether it will work or whether it won't, you just have to take the opportunity and say yes to things. You'll be absolutely shattered and it will be hard work, but that is unfortunately just what you've got to do to get noticed, to get out there. And that doesn't mean saying yes to every single networking event that's out there because 
you know, well, yeah. a lot of them are absolute garbage, if we're going to be honest, but it's saying yes to anywhere that gives you the chance to tell people about your business and tell people about you and your story and, and all those, those, those kind of things as well. And there's, there's so many more um, that, we, that we work with people on, but I think those two are the most important things that we work yeah. on. Yeah. Now let's segue a little bit here, Dan, uh, about talking about attracting next-gen talent um, because I've had so many people on the podcast, behavioral finance people, financial therapy mm. people, uh, the psychology um, uh, of investing. And I know that's a, a big push uh, over here in the States. I, I'm assuming it's the same over there in the UK. Uh, and people are starting to really, you know, yearn for a deeper, more meaningful relationship, more the human side of advice. So not just the technical skills, uh, but really diving deeper and under, uncovering people's values and then helping them get to where they, they want to go in life. Yeah, no, it definitely is on the rise over here in the UK. I'm still seeing, you know, shall we say less um, of that thing than, mm -hmm. than I would, than we would necessarily want to, Yeah, uh, but it is definitely on the rise. And, you know, we've had tons of, we've had people like Ross Marino and stuff like that on our podcast and, and Brendan Frazier, the stuff that those guys talk about, is exactly what I would now define as proper financial planning as true financial planning. Right. Um, because unless you can really understand not just objectives of a client, you know, we can all get objectives out of people. You know, I want to go on holiday four times a year when I'm 65 or whatever. Right. That's fine. But then the next natural question to ask, which not, you know, I never asked when I was a financial planner or training to be one was why, yeah. why do you want to do that? And then you get deeper and deeper and you go into the values and you go into, you know, what really their purpose and what really makes them happy and all those kind of things. And once you know them, once you know that you can test them on every single thing that they, that they say they want to do, you can say, well, is that going to bring you back to your values? Is that going to make you happier? Is that going to fulfill your purpose? And for instance, I've been chatting to the guys at, at Lumiant, which I think you know, I don't know if you know the guys at Lumiant. Um, uh, who's the, Santiago Burridge is the uh, the CEO there, and then they've yeah, got it brings a bell. I don't know them, but yeah, I yeah, I mean, fantastic tool. Yeah. Um, if you haven't had a demo of it, anyone, I don't know if I can if I can promote stuff on this podcast, but I'm gonna <laughs> hey, of course, <laughs> <laughs> like check those guys out because they're in the US and they're also in Australia. Yeah. They're coming to the UK as well, and they've got an amazing tool which keeps the finances almost completely out of it. I think there's only maybe one section on finances. Yeah, the rest of it. Is purely those human elements of right. what makes me happy, what is fulfilling my purpose, what do I actually actually want to do when it's when they take the money out of the equation because that's obviously a big one as well. Yeah. Um, and then it really, really does change the complete financial planning process because it's less of trying to make somebody's life fit into their money it's yeah. <laughs> the other way around. It's trying right. to fit their money into what they want to do in their life and say and then that is where the question of am i going to be okay and am i going to be happy yeah. that is where you can then answer that question because you know what's going to make you happy you know what's going to make you okay yeah how can the money help that and then something else that i've been kind of talking to people about is if i could go back um this is just a personal opinion by the way because there's arguments for both sides but across here in the UK, you can do the level four qualification and then the level six qualification, which gets you to chartered in the UK. Mm -hmm. I know that you can then do the CFP and all those kind of things. Yeah. But I think in those exams and in those qualifications, realistically, and again, some people might disagree with me on this, you don't learn how to sit in front of a, a client and listen 
ask them great questions, how to identify what they actually want to do with their lives. You learn about the products, you learn about the things to sell. Yeah. And, you know, that's not really what 99% of your day job is. 99% <laughs> of your day job is talking to people. Right. So I actually say to people, like, go and do some of the other amazing courses which are out there. Like there's the the Kinder course, for instance. The, Kinder course, the, the uh, Shaping course. Wealth. The shaping yeah. wealth the across here we've got association the, we've got paul amerson's inspiring advisors yeah. uh, we've got tons of different things that you can do that really focus on that human thing you know the human side of, of, of financial planning that will then start to unlock a lot of things in your brain and start to make you become a, a, a better financial planner and then there's nothing else to stop you from coming i, I think that everybody should be as highly qualified as they can be you know yeah. you should never stop learning you should always pick up new bits of um qualifications and new bits of learning and all that kind of stuff but there's nothing stopping you from coming back to those things in the future but i think to be a proper true financial planner you really again it's a strong opinion but i do think you really need to understand how to associate yourself with somebody on a really human deeper level yeah. and it sounds quite hippie when i'm talking out and saying out loud <laughs> i know that a lot of people no, in the audience my, my audience hears me say it all the time and yeah. i just trademarked uh the the term advised roar ROR for return on relationships, yeah. because I think that's what's going to win out in the end. Uh, AI is going to take all, over a lot of the technical aspects of compliance work, tax returns, financial planning, estate planning, yeah. insurance. It's going to be the human side of advice that's going to win out. I mean, people are sharing intimate knowledge about their business or about their you know, fears or their aspirations in their life. And so it's yeah. having the ability to actively listen, like you mentioned there, Dan, uh, being able to uncover somebody's values that's going to be vitally important in tomorrow's economy. I was listening to Dr. Daniel Crosby and he mm -hmm. had uh, Dr. Michael Fink on and he talked about in retirement, there's really three pillars. Uh, the first pillar being health, because if you're not healthy, you know, what's money going to do for you? Right? Yeah. Money is also uh, an important aspect. You need money to be able to do things. And they, yeah. he referenced uh, the study that everybody always talks about how uh, happiness um, is uh, um, in regards to money um, above 70,000 or $80,000 um, diminishes, right? It's, it's, it yeah. plateaus, but actually they went back and, and looked at that study and when they uh, extrapolated out people who were unhappy to begin with, up to 70,000 made them happy, but anything more didn't make them any happier. But people who were happier in general, more money actually made them happier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting. So he said money was a, the second aspect. And then third yes. was relationships. And so I am big on that. And it's about your social circle. I know you, you talked about you're going to go to the pub later and meet up <laughs> with friends. And and I think we talked about this uh, on our last call, the importance of having those relationships and, you know, spending time with people who are meaningful to you. Uh, he actually said that men have a difficult time in retirement because their social circle many times was tied to their occupation. Yeah. And women are more successful because they have uh, uh, relationships outside of a, a work or they've developed yeah. those. And so it's an easier transition for them. So maybe I want to have you talk a little bit about relationships and, and the importance of that, especially for the the, the younger generation um, in regards to how, how to live life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, perfect position to talk about this, given the, the community that we have. You know, yeah. we've got over 1,100 financial planners in there and all of them are in there paying that monthly 
subscription, whatever it is, yeah. because they want to make those relationships and they want to make friendships and that and that community element of it. And um, one of one of those people in in the community has just launched a podcast on this, yeah. and he's talking about that exactly that kind of stuff of yeah. when you get to retirement and you transition, you lose those relationships, and that's ultimately one of the biggest thing, reasons why people go back to work yeah. when they're in retirement is because they missed those well, we, we would call it banter across here in the uk <laughs> or they missed that work banter of, yeah. of going in every day and seeing yes. people having that social aspect to their life and then it just completely disappears the day after they retire um and yeah relationships are, are enormous nowadays if 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 social media showed us nothing else it's it's been that it's been the the, the human relationships are what ultimately is the best sales technique ever uh, because i will always 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 ask my peers first mm -hmm. before i buy into an advertising campaign or i buy into yeah. a marketing campaign or anything like that and that's that's me who's on the shall we say the later yeah. end of being young right um, <laughs> but the, the people who are younger than me they're even more into that kind of thing everything that that they not not everything but most things that they pick up nowadays because their friends are using it or because yeah. the, you know these the tribes that they're in they all use it and recommendations referrals although i'm always on the side of you should venture out of just getting recommendations or referrals from your clients you know they are still massively massively important to yeah. financial planning businesses yeah yeah and it got me thinking um social media and in tiktok and i saw one of the podcasts that you had dan you talked about i believe a pattern interrupt so if you're just mm. doing more of the same, I mean, people are inundated with, with content all day long. So it's really those who can stand out, being purple hair or, you know, having <laughs> a cool background behind you. Um, so can yeah. you talk about maybe some of that, those marketing tactics and really um, being original or being unique as we started the podcast with? Yeah, God, social media. I mean, I could we could do a, a whole three hours. I, mean, still, it, I, I don't know. There's stats somewhere that talk about people getting their financial advice from TikTok, and it astounded me. Yeah, and that's kind of a bit different to what I talk about normally because that's obviously that's personal finance. Yeah, um, influencers who talk about right. that kind of stuff. It's not. It's not usually actually financial planners who are advising people on tiktok <laughs> no. it's usually people who have maybe been in debt before and then have had you know a, a wake up where they think i need to get out of debt and then they've yeah. saved thirty thousand pounds or whatever it might be right. so they're not in the best position to talk about financial advice and i, I agree with you i'm quite terrified by those yeah. statistics but on the financial uh, planner side for for on social media i mean first of all the gap is enormous so the opportunity is enormous as well because yeah you think about the amount of financial planners who post regularly on social media, tiny, tiny percentage. I would love to know what that percentage actually yeah. is, but it's very, very, very small because what a lot of people do is they start it and then they see it as just part of their marketing arsenal and they don't get anything from it in the first three weeks yeah, and then they'll leave it and kill it because they think this isn't getting me anything. Yeah. If you want to have a really, really, really good impact on social media. It's going to take at least 12 to 18 months, maybe even longer in a lot of circumstances. And that's consistently posting, not every day, but at least every week, at least just kind of keeping in front of people's minds. And I think that's what a lot of, what why a lot of people get frustrated with it is because it's so slow. But if you can withstand that slowness, if that's a word, um, yeah. you can withstand that, that the organic 
stuff that comes down the line is 100% worth that slow burn at the start. Because not only are you going to be producing much better content and ideas in 18 months time, but also you'll have built that audience by that time. So practically you can just kind of let that social media vehicle just churn out new people, new ideas, new audience, new getting in touch with you all the time. They might not even look at your stuff. They might not even look at your content, but they see your name all the time and they think he looks interesting. Oh, they look interesting. Yeah. Maybe I might get in touch with them and see what this is all about. And that's where a lot of the stuff that next gen get or Doc Vinci gets nowadays is simply just because we've just been banging on so much over the last two years. Yeah. I mean, that's why I reached out to you, Dan. I, I saw yeah. you have Brandon, Brandon Frazier on the podcast and I said, I like your background yeah, yeah <laughs> for your podcast. Yeah. What's, what's the the wrapping that you do there? And so yeah. that started the conversation. So I believe that, that people should podcast if they can take that leap of faith and get out there because it's so rewarding. We get to develop yeah. relationships like this. Like I can yeah. now, you know, email Dan or uh, and, and say, "Hey, Dan, I got a question for you." And you know, we we can build, uh, you know, some type of relationship from there. So I think it's so beneficial to put it yourself is. out there, especially it in the really podcast. Is. I think on, on the on this kind of content side on the social media, obviously, podcasting is amazing. I saw a stat last week when I was putting some content together for an event we were doing. It was nine. I think it's ninety or ninety five percent of podcasts don't make it past the first three episodes. Yeah. Um, which, you know, Rory, you are now in that elite club of people who've made it past <laughs> that thing. I am as well. We're on episode yeah. 197 now. And that tells you how hard it is, but it also tells you about the opportunity that is there. Like there's a, although you might think podcasting is crowded, it's definitely yeah. not as crowded as you think. If you've got the right thing to say, if you can come up with a really good idea and if you can be consistent with it, the opportunity with that is massive. But also separate from podcasts on the content side, Again, it comes back to this thing of just keeping it as short as you possibly can. So I often talk about how financial planners will just post a link to their blog on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it is, and they'll just have that. Where's the incentive for me to read that blog? You've mm-hmm. spent maybe a good two hours, three hours writing that blog, posting it on your website, all that kind of yeah. stuff. The content is amazing, amazing, but then it's completely wasted because you don't promote it properly. Yeah. So you can still post that blog, absolutely. But what I often say to people is just summarize it in 150 words or a 90 second video. And then if you say in the comments down below is the blog, if you want to read a little bit more, if it's, if it's spiked your interest, read the full blog in my comments below. That is such an easy change that you can make on Monday next week when you're posting your blog, instead of just posting a link to it on your LinkedIn and saying, ah, there we go. That's done. Yeah. Summarize it. Get AI to summarize it. Yeah. Go to ChatGPT and, and put Chat it in GBT. the blog and say, give me a 30 second or 60 second or 90 second script. Yeah. There's tons of, of tools out there nowadays. Be careful with it. Obviously you want to make sure yeah. that it's personalized as well. Right. But you can make that change on Monday and I kind of guarantee that you'll see results immediately, but over time that will start to help your content get viewed more, yeah. your ideas flow a little bit more. Um, there's t- I mean, there's tons of stuff that I could talk about on, on social media content. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I've in I've used a couple different apps for video creation, AI video creation. There's Super Creator. I've I've seen Caption. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. CapCut that I know that integrates with TikTok. Is there any uh, video editing tools or mobile uh, video editing tools that you use here, Dan, that, that are effective? So I don't know if I'm quite old fashioned, but I actually just still use iMovie, which is ah. on MacBooks and then put that into Canva. 
which I'm on with pretty much all day because of because of our design business. Yeah. And then I also put it into something called V.io, which is for captions and auto captions as well. Captioning videos, even three years ago, used to take like <laughs> a good 20 minutes per video. Right. Now it takes 20 seconds, seconds. If, if, if that really. Yeah. And it's almost always perfect. So we've got no excuse now. Oh, sorry, we haven't got no excuse. We're running out of excuses to not post you know even short very simple videos but yeah. i know that the biggest hurdle to videos everybody can associate everybody can agree with this is getting it done in the first place it's that being in front of camera it's that you know the thinking about what you're going to say it's the hearing your sound of your own voice those things are the biggest hurdle you've got to get over and all through all the years i've been working with people the the, the biggest the best way to get over that Honestly, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's just to do it. It's just to practice. Just do it. It's just to just to shake, give yourself a little bit of a shake and say, no, you know what? I'm going to do this today. It might be uncomfortable, but I'm just going to do it. And if you can do that consistently, eventually it just becomes a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah. But I know that that's me saying this from somebody who posts <laughs> videos all the yeah. bloody time. I know it's very easy for me to say that, but that's the biggest uh, I, am, get I haven't done it yet but i want to almost go back to my first podcast or first video and, and <laughs> repost it because i know yeah. it's i i mean the microphone was it was the, my my computer microphone it was horrible it wasn't one of these nice yeah. microphones so it's like that's it's just you, getting started but that's what oh sorry but that that's what you want though isn't it you you want that you want to look back because if you look back and it's exactly the same as it is now then you haven't progressed you haven't moved anywhere and it yeah. hasn't got better you want to be able to look back at your old stuff and say God, that was shocking. Wait, I think I saw something from like kid. five years ago, Dan. I'm like, Dan's a little kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's me. And I, I I was actually with a client yesterday. I was looking yeah. through our, we use something called Video Ask, which is an yeah. amazing tool. If anybody hasn't seen that, go and check that out as well. Um, but I was looking back on when I was asking four years ago for people for feedback on our community. Literally, I was cringing. My, my hairs were standing <laughs> on end looking at it. I was like, I cannot believe that I used to send that out to people. But then the other side of me, the, the angel on one shoulder was saying, yeah. that's what you want. You want that yeah. kind of stuff because that means you've moved forward. That means you've got better. Yeah. Um, and unless you're going forward and getting better, there's no point in doing it. Right. Simon Sinek, uh, Brene Brown and Adam Grant they have a, a podcast they sometimes do together and they talk about yeah. uh, the shitty first draft, the SFD, but they call it <laughs> the, the, the first pancake. The first pancake's never good, right? Yeah. But to get no. to that third, fourth, and fifth delicious pancakes, you do need to have that that first pancake uh, yeah. or that SFD, that uh, and it's first And draft. it's not just your videos, it's, it's everything that you do. So, yeah. you know, if you could go back to your first blog that you wrote, it's probably... Yeah. Can I swear on this podcast? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Probably I not very good. <laughs> if you could bleep it out, you know right. what I'm saying. Um, but also, if you could go back to your first social media posts or your first anything, first financial plan that you wrote, yeah. it's all going to be terrible in reality. Maybe not terrible, but it's not going to be what you want it to be now. Right. Um, so it is just a process of getting better, and you do get better over and yeah. over time. You definitely yeah. do. I agree. I agree. Well, you talked about events, and I absolutely love this about uh, the next gen um, platform. You have conferences here and you implemented a policy uh, that says it must consist of 50% male and 50% female. Can you talk about uh, that philosophy and you know what you see as far as the benefits of that? Cool. Yeah. So we think, so the stats across here at the moment are 16% of financial planners are women, yeah. um, which is not acceptable <laughs> uh I'd, I'd dread to see what the percentage of clients 
right. of financial planners is in terms of that demographics, but I would imagine it's still not great, to be honest. Um, and the percentage of people that we hear from in our profession in terms of the people that we see on stage, the people that we see on panels and stuff like mm. that, we were getting so tired of it being maybe not even anything to do with women, all things that make it diverse. You know, there was, yeah. we, we across here, we don't have any figures at all. This is terrible. This any figures on how ethnically diverse the financial planning profession is here in the UK. Oh. Haven't done it. We haven't, we don't know. We just simply do not know what percentage of people from ethnic back, uh, minority backgrounds, mm -hmm. which is terrible because unless we, we know where we want to get, to, we know where we want to get to, but unless we know where we are now, we can't get anywhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, sorry, you asked about the, 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 the women part. It's um, it kind of comes from that thing of going to those events and just seeing the same people on stage for, we are two white men here, Rory, but seeing four white men on the stage saying the same things over and over again. So although it might seem like we're doing this because we want to just kind of even the playing field, it also is great because it brings diversity of thought as well. Mm. So it brings new, fresh ideas. Women have got different ideas and different things that they want to, to portray to the world. They've got different ways of expressing their views and opinions. So it's amazing when you see you know, the, 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 the diverse lineup yeah. on panels and with our speakers and stuff like that. So I always get really frustrated when you say you can't force diversity. I think you can. And it's not by simply just plucking people and just putting them on stage and saying you're doing this because you're a woman. It's giving diversity of opportunity, basically. So it's saying to people, you can do this and it's open to this because mm. you're from a diverse background and you have that message and we want you to share it and stuff like that. So yeah, we do aim for, and we've got a red line of, we have to make sure that every year when we do our speaker and influencer program, it has to be equal and it has to be, it's it. not, you know, one way or the other, it has to be equal yeah. um, because ultimately that's going to bring diversity of thought, diversity of opinions, but also that diversity of opportunity on stage as well. Yeah. And, and that, sorry, here, sorry, I, I was, I was just going to, sorry, sorry, Roy, I, you were just no, about no. to say something, but that's one of the things that people love about our conferences is because it's different. So they come to them. And I think one of our sponsors said it was 40% of the audience were women. So you can see there that like, just by doing, just by changing the representation of the people who are speaking and are on the panels, that also brings in more audience members from those different diverse backgrounds as well which is exactly what we want them to do. So some people might agree with it. Some people might disagree with it, but we, I, we personally, that's, we think that that's the way that we're going to go, that we can take this forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And um, I think it's some stat here by, I think it's by 2030, I think over 30 trillion of assets here will mm -hmm. be with women. Um, <laughs> and so and they're looking, obviously, for advisors that they can connect with. Uh, I, I had Julie Johnson on who works for XY Communications, and she talks yeah. about intergenerational and gender communications. And she's phenomenal. And so it's really bridging that gap uh, between generations and, and between genders. And that goes back to the human side of advice and really and I, being more empathetic and getting to someone. I always say getting to someone's there, there. One of my favorite authors is Dr. Mark Golston. He's a UCLA psychologist. And he has some famous books. One of them is called Just Listen. <laughs> um, and the other one's called Real Influence. And so he talks about really, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I always talk about it. It's not the golden rule, do unto others as, as you want, want done unto you. It's really do unto others as how they would want done unto them. So 
you know, yeah. putting yourself in their shoes and finding out, you know, where they want to get, where they want to be in life, understanding their concerns, right? Their fears, their aspirations. So you can really help them uh, lead the life that they, they want to live. Yeah. And, um, the guys at Lumion, sorry to talk about them again. I've no, no, pretty no. much spent all of my podcast nowadays <laughs> talking about them because I love them so bits. Um, but they have they, their tool is literally designed for the non. They call it the non CFO, which is the non chief financial officer of a family, because ultimately those are the people who are yeah. driving a lot of the decisions. They're the people who are, and it, you know, I'm I'm saying that this is women, obviously. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it's actually the man, but it, but it, it's it. They're the people that that really drive the decisions in the family, and they're the people who ultimately have been left behind unfairly. But they're the ones who, if you talk to them, they've got all the dreams, they've got all the desires, they've got all the aspirations that you want to talk about with them, and that's what they do really well. Is they focus on that non-CFO because they're the people who don't want to really talk about the finances. They don't really want to talk about the pensions, the Roth IRAs, the 401ks, all that kind of stuff. They want to talk about the real life stuff, the human stuff that actually makes a difference on their daily day-to-day lives. Yeah. Uh, and that's where they've got really, really well. At, uh, at I mean, they're, they're the, the chief family officer. We, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. They're, you know, they are not a chief financial officer. They're the chief family officer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and they, like I said, that they're the ones for that reason who are driving all of the decisions and who are pushing everything forward. And, yeah it's it's really powerful when when people start to look at it that way because and and this is something that really annoys me is even still in the uk a lot of the fact finds that we have across here even something as simple as fact finds they still have you know even if it's subconscious they still have a male as client one and a female as client two now not only does that you know so even subconsciously put a hierarchy there it also completely ignores people who are in same-sex relationships yeah. or people who don't identify as certain genders or whatever yeah. it might be. And it's just still, even just small things like that, it yep. still shows me that we're not really serious enough about making this industry profession, whatever you want to call it, as inclusive as it can be, because it can be amazing. Uh, we just need to do a bit of work on it. Yeah. And you're doing great work to make that happen. <laughs> Thank uh, you, I absolutely love what you're doing. Uh, I always ask, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to share with the audience here? Ooh, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. I think uh, <laughs> we've covered so much there. I can't believe we've been talking for nearly 50 minutes now. It's absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, yeah, I guess, firstly, just thank you so much for, for letting us have this conversation. Um, I, I could talk all day about this, the, the social media side of things, the document side things as well. We didn't really touch on the document side, so... Yeah. No, let's talk about the, real quickly we touched on it briefly to start the conversation i know you have some really great stuff you're doing with with the financial journey you want to touch on that real quickly yeah i guess it's um it's hard to to, to cover it but i think it's it's mainly just the it's it's more the deliverable side of of financial planning so i know that yeah. um we had brendan frazier for instance on one of our workshops in the community and we had Mark McGrath as well, who's also an amazing financial planner from Canada, mm-hmm. show kind of examples of one-page, two-page financial plans, and it inspired a lot of people in our community. But that is really where I think nowadays where we are heading with this kind of stuff, yeah. of you know not giving clients a fifty to a hundred page report and saying there's your financial plan, yeah. <laughs> because that's just not a financial 
fan. It's just not, it's just never, it was never intended for that purpose. So if we can distill that information, again, it's it's coming back to the, the ideas of making things simpler and quicker and, and faster nowadays. If you can distill all of that information into a two page, lovely, nice, modern financial plan for your clients, you might think that they're going to think, Jesus, I'm paying this person a lot of money. What, what is that for? It's never, that is never the case. It is always, wow, they've distilled so much complex, difficult concepts into two pages for me, which makes my life easier, simpler, nicer to go forward. I can view it. I can stick it on the fridge and look at it every day and all that kind of stuff. So although you might think that it's actually not showing your work, it really is. It's showing your work and showing how good you actually are at (laughs) distilling this difficult information to your clients. Yeah. So, I mean, even just the little aspect of having someone's values on there, family, <laughs> community, travel, yeah. to really remind them is, you know, of of why they're saving money, or, you know, why they're working. Um, yeah. One, I, one, of the, one of the firms I, one of the clients that I work with, they have a whole page of their, their financial plan. It, it's weird to call it a financial plan because there's actually hardly anything on finances, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like they focus a whole page on simply your values, yeah. your statement of purpose, your dreams and desires. Yeah. And if we could take a, take a snapshot back to 30 years ago, that is not what financial planning looked like, which I actually really love because it proves how far we've come in those decades. Even 10 years ago, that wasn't really a thing. Yeah. So it proves how far we have moved forward nowadays. Yeah. So I went through this exercise, Dan, and maybe because it's top of mind for me. My sister, I think we told you, I told you, my sister's the head coach of the UK national softball team. And yeah. they're playing here shortly to see if they can go to the Olympics in LA in 2028. So I was going through this exercise and I talked about wanting to, to be at the Olympics, watching my sister be the head coach of Great Britain, them winning a gold medal and having my parents there, a family of my own uh, and kids of my own, um, cheering on my sister and having a tailgate uh, at one of the LA softball stadiums and having that vivid visual picture of the goal that I want to get to, because I do, I, I value my family. Um, so much. And I want a family of my own. And so that gives me a North star to, to hopefully get to um, and uh, get those goals and aspirations of my own. See that that's deep, isn't it? And that's yeah. really what like drives everything. It, the thing is, is that for a lot of people, this kind of stuff is, is subconscious. We, you were talking before about those really intimate relationships and I loved it. It's what, what I used to f- discover when I used to work in a financial planning business was we're having conversations not we, but you people in the audience are having conversations with clients that they've often never had with mm-hmm. their spouses. They've yeah. certainly never had with a stranger before, which is one of the things I can't get over, by the way, of how you you guys in the audience can get such intimate information out yeah. of somebody in less than knowing them for half an hour, which is just yeah. amazing. But also they've probably never thought about these things themselves before. And that's yeah. what the real value is in financial planning is helping people to identify things that they've never even realized consciously that they want to do. And that's when you start to have those things where clients start to leave the office crying and people start to leave the office or jumping up and down with happiness because they've now had this massive mental block removed because they didn't know what they were doing. And now all of a sudden they have a really razor sharp focus on what they actually want to achieve in their life. You can't, you, you, there's no other profession out there that can do that. Like yeah. there's just not there's really no price tagging, helping people uncover what matters most to them. Yeah. 
which is, you know, you could, I mean, I'm, you know, we don't mean to sound silly here, but there's, there is no, like, you know, lawyers can't do that. Yeah. But with respect to accountants, a lot, a lot of accountants, when, they, when they're focusing on their tax and stuff, can't really do that. Right. Um, doctors can't even do that. Yeah, they can save lives, but they can't really go deeper than that and figure out what people actually want to do with their lives. Yeah. So I know it might sound silly, but the, the financial planners are just are ultimate, ultimate, one of the best professions out there, definitely. I agree. That's why I say for the accounting professionals who adopt financial planning, they can go from the most trusted advisor to now the most transformational advisor. So mm-hmm. they can help transform their clients' lives through their business and their through their personal finances. Yeah. And that's where, sorry, we're, we're going on a little bit here, Rory. I know you <laughs> want to get away to your morning, but that's where um, the real kind of difference nowadays is financial planners not seeing themselves as portfolio advisors, not seeing themselves as the people who someone goes to and say, oh, I want you to invest in the best stocks and all that kind of stuff. If you can completely differentiate yourself away from that, if you can, if you can get that as far away from yourself as possible, (laughs) and you're the person who focuses on somebody's life, when those big events happen, like when coronavirus happened, for instance, the best financial planners in the UK, none of their clients phoned them on that day saying what's going on. The people who really valid put the value on the investments pretty much all of their clients were getting in touch and saying hang on a second what's going on here and then they were having to educate them then the best financial planners had been educating their clients for years saying the investing is not the valuable part the behavioral management the human management that's the really valuable part and as a result hardly any of their clients got in touch with them because they expected it yep I agree. Well, Dan, thank you so much. This has no, been incredibly rewarding. <laughs> I, I really appreciate yeah. you coming on. If anybody wants to get in touch with you or Next Gen Planners, Doc Finchy, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, so Next Gen is uh, nextgenplanners.co.uk. Um, we're talking today as Threads has just been released yes. uh, on <laughs> as a competition to Twitter. So um, we are on we are on Threads at Next Gen Planners. We're also on all the social media channels. Just check us out on Next Gen Planners. Uh, Doc Finchy is docfinchy.co.uk. So please go and check that out as well. And I'd love to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. So you can find me on there and, and just search Dan Graham, and I'm sure I'll come up eventually somewhere. All right. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rory. Cheers. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates, and they have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.